Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, April 24th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Stride and Shade Protocol discuss a full DeFi suite for ST Atom. Let's take a listen. Welcome, everybody, this morning or whatever time it may be, wherever you are. Um, we're going to be discussing Shade Protocol. Um, shade Protocol's a really exciting new uh, suite of DeFi apps that launched that fully launched last week on uh, secret network and um yeah uh, uh, this just going to be a open discussion about what's going on over there on shade um how stride is involved um if anybody wants to feel free to raise your hand at any moment and i'll let you up on stage so uh, you can ask your question we can um just keep this as conversational as possible so uh, yeah i think i'll introduce myself real quick and then i'll hand it over to you guys you can introduce yourselves uh, my name is John Galt. Um, it, you can see me on Twitter at LurkAroundFind. So I, I'm John Galt. I'm the head of growth at Stride. And um, yeah, that's me. How about you two? <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Dalt. Uh, I assist with marketing on Shade Protocol. How's it going, everyone? My name is Red Eyed Bear. And similar to Dalt, I also focus on marketing. Uh, within Shade Protocol, but also help out with uh, operations. All right, nice. So, um, yeah, I've got a number of questions here prepared, but uh, if you want to, feel free to ask me any questions. Um, this can be a two-way interview, if you like, kind of like Elon Musk's recent um, <laughs> interview with the fellow from, uh, what was that, the BBC. So let's get going. First of all, uh, just big, open, general question. Do whatever you want with it. Uh, what is Shade Protocol? Yeah, so I, I think the best way to describe Shade Protocol is that it is a cohesive DeFi ecosystem. So this is including a multi-product offering that gives users the ability to participate in holistic DeFi. So some of the products that this includes would be Silk, uh, which is the privacy-preserving stablecoin that launched last week. Another product that would that would be included in this is Shade Swap, our novel curve holding decks. And then we also have products like bonds and staking derivatives as well that just give users the entire DeFi experience. And they're actually all on the same website and one click away from each other. So users can use our lending product and mint out silk and then immediately go to a DEX and trade, swap, do, do what they want with that asset that they just acquired. And so it's really, really a simplified version of a bunch of DeFi products that we've kind of conglomerated into one area that just creates this very simple and easy to use ecosystem of DeFi. And I would also add that, you know, 
all of these decentralized applications that make up the Shade Protocol interconnected suite of uh, private DeFi apps, all of these applications interact with each other in really unique permissioned ways due to their interconnectedness. Um, and they're all unified by Shade token and then also uh, Silk now that Silk is out. Um, so this is important for a few different reasons. One, this helps drive value uh, for token holders. Um, you know, drives value to users um, and users who hold these tokens unlock unique functionalities. Um, but it also allows liquidity uh, and assets to be used in really unique and capital efficient ways. Um, you know, as a result of these applications being interconnected. So I know there are a few other larger groups in the cosmos and outside that are building their own ecosystem of DeFi applications. And I know it's not just us that recognize the value of having this interconnectedness for applications. Yeah, uh, I would definitely, um, well, to add to that a tiny bit, um, it, it's been a real joy for me to use myself. Um, the UX is very nice. And everything is integrated very well. Um, you can easily take ST Atom, Mint Silk, provide Silk as liquidity with ST Atom. There's some leverage strategies you can use. You can have secret token, you can liquid stake that. Uh, and it's all bundled together very nicely with very nice smooth UX. There's a tab on the left-hand side or a number of you know different things you can click on on the left-hand side. So it's just a joy to use. Um, all right, I guess my next question, um, so when you were building this, this whole integrated bundle of DeFi apps, I, I think you had to make two pretty big decisions, um, which chain to build it on. And then uh, liquid staking is a pretty big aspect of Shade. So you had to kind of pick a liquid stake token of Atom to, to really go with. Um, it, so, yeah, yeah, so, so <laughs> basically, why did you pick Secret and why did you pick Stride? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with the, the first question, why did we pick Secret? Um, I think it's important for everyone to recognize, and I know people who have been around like myself since basically the beginning uh, or the inception of Shade Protocol, um, you know, we've had this ethos uh, within the project of digital self-sovereignty. Um, and that, that is at the core of the protocol guiding principles uh, and also within the you know, kind of some of these guiding principles within our community as well. And so a part of that digital self-sovereignty is, you know, the right to digital privacy, the right to digital independence, the right to digital transparency, and the right to global financial access. And all four of those primary rights of digital self-sovereignty are at the core of what Shade Protocol is building, and all of our applications seek to empower those rights for individuals. So looking at the available tech stacks that were um, that it was possible to build this interconnected suite of applications on secret network was the only uh, layer one smart contract platform that offered uh, you know these primary rights so to speak um, or rather empowered these primary rights and so because we believe so wholeheartedly that individuals should maintain their right to digital privacy, their right to global financial access. Um, we wanted to be able to provide those qualities for the experience when users used our DeFi applications. And you know, we're kind of thinking, as I'm sure many other people do, thinking very globally when we're thinking about this. You know, whether some of the uh, some of us may be located in the U.S. or Europe or Africa, Southeast Asia, wherever it is. 
you know, humans have this, I gotta think about how I want to say this. Uh, humans all generally recognize the power of privacy. And a lot of people get privacy and anonymity twisted. Um, privacy is really about being able to control access to your data. It's not that you're trying to hide it from anybody. It's more that this is your data, this is your information, and you, as the owner of it, should control complete access to that. And so by building Shade Protocol on top of Secret Network, we're able to give people uh, or empower people with that access to choose who can see any of their information related to their DeFi interactions. And we're able to do that with uh, two different types of uh, uh, tools that provide auditable uh, privacy. One of those is viewing keys, and the other is uh, query permits. They function pretty closely the same, but um, one provides a little bit more customizability into the access permissions that you give. So, sorry for that incredibly long-winded answer about why uh, you know Shade Protocol built on Secret. Um, you know, we want people to have private transactions. We want people to have private smart contract interactions. We wanted that IBC interoperability to be able to send Shade and Silk and have assets from other chains come to Secret Network um, as well. So, on to your second question. Sorry, yeah, I can stop here if you want. No, yeah, uh, that's good. I think maybe we can put Stride to the side for a moment and just kind of follow this thread a little bit. Um, I think it's like really intriguing and um, really meaningful and even really brave to maintain sorry, maintain such a commitment to privacy uh, in this day and age. I know part of the context is in the last six months, um, like some concrete things here in the cosmos, I can name two privacy protocols that haven't really been able to get off the ground. There was void protocol that was going to be on osmosis that kind of fizzled out late last year. And then there was redacted on Terra and they're having some difficulties as well. But uh, it looks like Shade Protocol is just going full steam ahead with complete commitment to privacy, which is fantastic. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like this is at this point with the amount of TVL you have, the liquidity, the usefulness, um, Shade Protocol built on Secret Network has to be like the main privacy hub for private DeFi in the cosmos. Um, would you agree with that assessment? I would say uh, at this current stage, yes. Um... You know, it's easy to look back during the bull run and see, um, you know, there were multiple other DEXs that are still, uh, you know, on Secret Network's mainnet um, that are still functioning. During the bull run, they had, you know, much higher TVL, but I think everyone recognizes that was a different time. <laughs> Prices of assets were uh, not what they are today. Um, but at this current point, uh, I would agree with your statement that right now we provide um, you know, the highest utility for anyone looking to interact in private DeFi within the cosmos. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's really, really valuable that this is available in the cosmos and that anybody can easily IBC over and participate in it. Um, I must say, I'm not that familiar with Secret Network overall, um, but maybe you can like educate me as like a new user and maybe there are some new users in the audience. If I were on Osmosis, and I wanted to take some assets and participate in privacy on um, 
shade protocol, how exactly would I do that? And like, how exactly would it work? Like if I had an asset, I wanted to IBC it over. I know there are viewing keys, like for somebody who's never done this before, how does it work? And, and I guess maybe what are some benefits? Yeah. I'll, I'll first um, add some context to this before. And, and I could be wrong and I'm happy to be proven, uh, proven wrong, but Prior to the launch of ShadeSwap, I don't believe there were any ST assets nor Axelar assets like USDC Axelar or uh, USDT Axelar that were available on Secret Network. And so uh, with the support of Axelar and with the support of Stride, we were able to bring these assets over to Secret Network. So that was a, that was a really big moment. Um, and I think we can all see the impact of that when looking at the breakdown of TVL on ShadeSwap. Um, stride assets make up a large percentage of the TVL on uh, on shade swap, and that's incredibly encouraging for multiple reasons. And we can uh, kind of get into that in a little bit. But the the user story would be: let's say I hold uh, ST Atom or ST Osmo on Osmosis, and I wanted to bring them over to Secret Network. So these tokens are public uh, by default on Osmosis. They're public by default on Stride as well, but if one wanted to, let's say, use the shade bridge to bridge over these ST, this ST Osmo or ST Atom, you would simply go to the shade bridge, select to bridge from Osmosis first to Stride, um, and that, that transfer is public by default. Um, and then once these assets uh, arrived on Stride, it's a simple bridge from Stride to Secret Network. Um, and again, that bridge. Uh, is public, but there's also a wrapping transaction that happens whenever these assets enter the network. Um, so, what is you know what are what are these assets being wrapped into? Um, basically, uh, Secret Network uses something called a SNP twenty token standard, uh, which is a private fungible token standard um, or specification. Uh, based on Cosmosm on Secret Network, and so what this really is is it, um, you know, it allows this interoperable and fungible asset that is wrapped in a privacy-preserving smart contract. Um, so it's important for individuals to know that Secret, the gas token for Secret Network, is public by default. Anytime you spend gas, um, you know, the gas that you spend is public. Any transactions you make with Secret, the public gas token and governance token for uh, Secret Network, all of that is public by default. But Secret Network offers private by default smart contract interactions. And if I'm not mistaken, they were the first platform, um, you know, in the industry to offer these uh, private by default smart contracts. And so what what the wrapping is is you're basically wrapping your assets in this smart contract that provides you privacy. And so once you have those assets wrapped, it's a very, you know, me explaining this probably makes it seem a little bit more uh, intimidating than it is, but it's as simple as a one-click uh, swap if you're bringing public assets over or one-click wrap um, to wrap these assets in privacy. And then they're able to be used in, you know, almost all of private DeFi. So the user story, TLDR, user story is someone bridges ST Osmo, ST Atom, from Osmosis to Stride, and then Stride to Secret Network, and then those assets get wrapped in a uh, private by default smart contract. And at that point, all of the interactions with those assets are private by default, 
No one knows your inputs, your outputs, what's going on in those smart contracts unless you choose to show them. And then this is kind of where viewing keys come in, which is what provide the auditable privacy for these SNP tokens. And there's a few different really good tools that allow people to you know, provide this auditable privacy, to be able to show your transaction histories, to be able to prove you did particular actions. Uh, one of the best ones in Secret Network right now is CryptoClerk. It's a digital asset management tool. Um, and it allows people to basically do any sort of data or transaction analytics on their own transactions and prove those to anybody that they might need to. Yeah, that was really good. A very good, um, comprehensive beginner's kind of overview of what's going on. Um, but here, here's a follow-up question. So uh, what about the Silk token? Um, I think I noticed like there's no secret wrapped versions of the Silk token. Is the Silk token, the CDP stablecoin Silk, is that token private by default when you mint it? Yep, indeed it is. Uh, Silk is private by default uh, natively. Uh, as well as shade. Um, so whenever you go onto our portfolio page or interact with any of our uh, DeFi applications, you won't see that sort of privacy um, token wrap image that you would see on some of the other assets. Like if you look at Secret Secret or um, you know Private ST Atom, Private ST Osmo, any of those, you'll notice this small uh, bordering around those token icons to indicate that they're privacy wrapped. And we did that. To help reduce some of the friction, like the naming friction, when it comes to identifying these assets, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I can at least speak for myself when I say I really don't want to have to think about or say SST Osmo or you know SUSDT dot Axel. Um, it just the nomenclature attached to some of these uh, wrap tokens can become quite burdensome, and so what Shay is trying to do is indicate that privacy wrapped with um, you know, with the image of the token. So it helps kind of reduce and simplify the nomenclature associated with some of these private tokens. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. And uh, I didn't know that. So like ST Atom, when it goes over uh, into Shade Protocol, it becomes wrapped as a SNP20 token. But Silk is a native uh, SNP20 token, correct? Yes. Yeah, and, you know, that's an important distinction to make because you know, the goal for Silk is to be uh, completely interoperable, globally accessible. And so in order for that to happen, it's inevitable that some Silk is going to leave Secret Network and participate in DeFi or be located in some sort of DeFi application elsewhere. Um, when that Silk leaves Secret Network, it is no longer private by default. So that's an important thing for people to keep in mind. If you want to maintain the privacy of your DeFi interactions with Silk, your best bet is to use that silk on secret network. Now that's not to say you can't go use it elsewhere, but you just need to be cognizant of the of the properties that you might be giving up taking that elsewhere. Right, good to know. And uh, a small question on, on that note, um, are there currently any use cases for silk outside of secret network? And if not, are there any being planned or where do you think the first one might show up? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, short answer, for you is no, there is not any silk currently outside of Secret Network. However, that is definitely in the plans uh, to uh, to include that sort of functionality. Um, maybe Daltz could speak a little bit more on the plans, but I'm not sure if we have a great idea on the timeline for when that would be expected. 
Yeah, I I won't give any timelines in regards to when this will happen, but I do know that there are multiple conversations that are being had currently um, in terms of integrating Silk into other protocols or into other projects that want to use Silk as an asset on their platform. So again, I, I won't give any timelines uh, as these really aren't solidified yet, but there are definitely plans to move Silk as a, as a token off of Secret and utilize it in other platforms. Okay, good to hear. Um, moving on slightly, um, so I asked, why are you building on Secret? And we had a bit of a discussion about that. So like, there's very strong um, privacy attributes on Secret Network and Shade Protocol gets to enjoy that privacy. Um, but the second half of the question, why are you building with Stride? Um, there are several liquid staking providers in the cosmos. Stride is one of many. Um, why did you pick Stride's uh, LSTs to incentivize uh, on your on your decks? Yeah, I think this is a um, you know to to maybe even take it back a little bit further. We could uh, answer the question: Why are we so focused on staking derivatives to begin with? Um, Oh, definitely. Good point. <laughs> and I think this is a this is an interesting question to answer as a you know set of applications built on top of a layer one. Um, generally, applications don't have the ability to spend and incentivize liquidity that layer ones do. You know, if we look at um, just you know as an example, if we look at Osmosis as a layer one, considering the inflation that they've got. Um, you know, it's a little bit easier for them to have access to the one capital, but also it's easier for them to uh, incentivize the pairs that they hope to, uh, you know, bring deep liquidity for. And so for Shade, one of the things we were really thinking about is, you know, how can we attract TVL? How can we empower efficient DeFi interactions without having to pay? Uh, for that TVL to come um, because, you know, that's just an expense that protocols are kind of having to take on for the long term. And so why are we so focused on liquid staking derivatives? Liquid staking derivatives are an incredibly capital efficient way to use stakeable Cosmos-based layer ones and I guess any um, stakeable layer one asset uh, in DeFi. You know, if we look at the amount of atom that's currently bonded, um, or maybe even the amount of atom that's currently in circulating supply relative to the amount of TVL uh, atom has in general, it's pretty low. And there's a reason for that. It's because if you're forgoing the staking rewards for a layer one asset such as atom or Osmo or whatever asset you choose, um, that means that in if you're going to use that asset in DeFi, you need to be able to earn more than the staking rewards in order to compensate for that, you know, that loss of staking rewards. And so, again, this kind of goes back to, you know, how do you compensate for that rewards? Well, you either have to incentivize it with, uh, you know, LP rewards, or you have to be able to, you know, just create an insanely ideal uh, trading environment for these assets in general. And that's kind of difficult with unstaked assets. So then we take a look at liquid staking derivatives, and uh, Stride has done a phenomenal job outlining this 
previously about like why it's so capital efficient to LP staking derivatives relative to their underlying layer one assets. Um, you know, it's in the hurdle rate that liquidity providers or people who are lending assets uh, and shade lend is much, much lower liquid staking derivatives relative to that uh, underlying layer one asset that shade protocol doesn't have to spend as much to incentivize this liquidity. And additionally, with the um, increased capital efficiency of these assets being used on a DEX for liquidity providing using Shade's novel asymmetric concentrated liquidity curve, we're able to make that trading experience and that LP experience even better. Um, and so for us, with the way that Shade, uh, Shade Swap is currently built, like the infrastructure is built, liquid staking derivatives are the backbone of Shade Swap. And Silk is kind of acting as this router that is able to connect any, basically any liquid staking derivative with another liquid staking derivative or its underlying layer one asset. Um, sorry for the long-winded response, but. No, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, very informative. Um, I, I see you have um, your hand up, AT. I'll get to you just in a moment. But to um, kind of emphasize what you were saying, Red Eye, um, Shade is definitely taking a different approach here than Osmosis. On Osmosis, you see a lot of unstaked Atom being traded in liquidity pools, but also on the Mars money market on Osmosis, you see unstaked Atom being used as collateral. And in both cases, there are enormous forfeited staking rewards involved. Uh, if you want people to provide liquidity in unstaked Atom, you're going to need to compensate them for their forfeited staking rewards. And if you expect people to come to your money market and put down unstaked Atom collateral, you're also going to have to be compensating them for their forfeited staking rewards, or it's just not really in their economic interest to do that. So there's definitely a lot of incentives going on with Mars and Osmosis. Um, with Shade, it looks like they've taken a slightly different tack. Um, there are definitely incentives involved, but because Shade is using um, LSTs of Atom rather than unstaked Atom, the incentives go a lot farther because you're not compensating people for forfeited staking rewards. All you're doing is compensating for maybe opportunity cost, IL. Um, yeah, uh, anyway, and, and to also uh, I'll, I'll add, turn it back to you. I to also add to that because oh, of I... the asymmetrically concentrated liquidity uh, curve that is used for facilitating trades between layer one assets and their liquid staking derivatives, because we're able to so successfully concentrate liquidity in this ideal trading range, that means that liquidity providers are also earning more swap fees uh, on the assets they're, that they're providing liquidity for. So this kind of goes back to we don't have to incentivize it as much because individuals are actually utilizing their assets more when they're LPing on shade swap. Um, so not only do they earn more, the protocol doesn't have to pay as much. And to answer your original question, why were we so interested in Stride? Stride has definitely emerged as kind of this uh, first to market, uh, you know, market leader within the cosmos and looking at some, Really interesting liquid staking derivative uh, data and analysis. Stride has taken, you know, an incredible leap uh, forward with the support for multiple assets within the cosmos. You know, we've seen a lot of liquid staking derivative providers that are solely focused on one asset, um, and usually it's at some sort of native asset. 
Uh, but Stride is really push for providing their liquid staking derivatives or their liquid staking service to multiple assets uh, in the cosmos. And so one, that's incredibly encouraging for us as a protocol that really wants to encourage collaboration within the cosmos. I think that's how the cosmos, cosmos DeFi in general is going to be able to take its next, next step forward and to be able to compete with the likes of Ethereum and some of the larger DeFi ecosystems outside of the cosmos. Um, but also, you know, people have really adopted Stride assets. Um, you know, obviously there are other liquid staking derivative providers, but people have kind of spoken already, uh, at least initially, about the, you know, the liquid staking derivatives that they wish to hold. And that seems to be Stride right now. So uh, we're incredibly excited and thankful for the relationship that we've been able to facilitate with Stride. and incredibly excited to see where this partnership and relationship continues to go in the future. Uh, yeah, thank you for those kind words. And yeah, I must say, um, yeah, we're doing pretty good. Um, uh, I'd just like to remind everybody listening, um, I know AT, you had your hand raised a moment ago. I'm sorry I didn't get to you. Feel free to raise your hand again if you'd like, and I'll bring you up to stage. And for, for everybody listening, um, this is more of a discussion. Anybody's free to join this discussion. You can come up on stage, just raise your hand, and uh, I'll get to you when there's a break between the speakers. Um, but so long as nobody has any questions, I'll continue to ask my questions. Um, uh, Red Eye, you were talking about how lots of users are choosing Stride's LSTs as opposed to um, other liquid stake tokens offered by other liquid staking providers. But I noticed it seems like um, people collateralizing Silk are also choosing ST Atom over some of the other options. Um, so can we maybe get into some of the early statistics? Um, what's it looking like in terms of TVL? Um, so of course we've got we've got Silk, which is the privacy preserving CDP decentralized stablecoin offered by Shade Protocol. You put down collateral, you mint Silk. There are several collateral options. I think off the top of my head, there's liquid staked secret token, um, USDC, USDT, I think, and then ST Osmo and ST Atom. And um, what are some statistics uh, around usage in in the first week? Uh, what numbers are we looking at? Yeah, so I'll start with the uh, shade swap, um, just because it's a little bit easier metric to uh, look at. If anyone were to go to our the dashboard on uh, on Shade Swap's page, uh, just visit app.shadeprotocol.io, click the swap tab, and then you'll see a, another tab labeled dashboard at the top. Currently, we're sitting right around five point four million in TVL over that first uh, you know little over a week. And if we look at Silk, uh, you know, and its collateral backing, currently ST Atom makes up a little, I think it's a little less than 50% of the collateral backing for Silk, um, which is really interesting. Um, and I, I'll get into that in a second. But after ST Atom, I believe USDC Axel is the next highest percent collateral backing. And then we see. Uh, ST Osmo coming in third, and then Stake Secret, uh, which is Shape Protocol's liquid staking derivative for Secret, uh, coming in next as far as the next highest percent collateral backing for Silk. 
Oh, that's interesting. Thanks for providing those for us and telling us uh, where the dashboard is so we can take a look. I'll have to take a look myself after this, but it looks like AT has come up. Um, perhaps you have a question. Um, feel free to contribute. Uh, yeah, I've actually got two questions. Um, first of all, I just saw uh, STNG on the Shade Protocol dashboard page. How many hours or days until STNG LPs are listed on Shade? <laughs> Oh, man, you are not the only person asking that question. Um, I unfortunately don't have a good answer for you right now. However, I can say that uh, ST Engine um, Injective Token are definitely one of our higher priority tokens to provide um, you know, support for on ShadeSwap and ShadeBlend. So while I can't provide you any date, uh, I can say that is an incredibly high priority for Shade Protocol. And we're looking to uh, bring the injective community into private DeFi. Yeah, that's good to hear. The other question is, when will uh, secret incentives go live? As it's been a little while since the secret search prop passed now. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as far as I know, and again, I'm, I, I could be wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong if so. But as far as I know, secret surge incentives are set to begin today. Oh, baby. Uh, well, that's it uh, from me. Thanks for answering my questions. And uh, KYC is anti-DeFi. Yeah, thanks for your questions. And uh, it looks like uh, another person is coming up to ask some questions. Um, Marco? Hello, yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we, we can hear you. Okay, so first of all, thank you guys for being so awesome. <laughs> it was a smooth launch. Um, first of all, like to stride proposal number 790, liquid staking module regulated and efficient liquid staking. They want to um, like cap the liquid stake atom to 25%. Um, Opinion on that, or first of all, can you give us a little insight of how many Atom are right now liquid staked? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that proposal was put up on the, Co the Cosmos Hub Governance Forum by Zaki. Uh, he's kind of leading the charge here. Uh, one of the entities he's associated with, Occlusion, uh, is really had the idea for the LSM initially. Uh, however, Stride is collaborating with him here. Um, we wrote much of that proposal, so Stride's definitely involved here trying to get this through, and we definitely support it. Uh, in terms of that cap, it looks like the cap is going to be, it's proposed to be 25%. So the cap would be, you could only liquid stake 25% of all the total staked atom. Right now, uh, liquid staked atom is at around 0.5%. Uh, between 0.5% and 1%. So there's definitely a long way to go before that cap were ever hit. Right. Okay, so and uh, with the liquid sto staked, uh, no, not with the liquid, but with the parent token, do you, you, do you make governance with them? That's a good question. Um, currently, the way it goes is uh, you would, you would deposit your atom with uh, stride protocol and then you'd be able to mint st atom then stride protocol takes that atom and delegates it to one of about 40 uh 
validators on the Cosmos Hub, and they were selected um, using a decentralized um, validator selection process. No secret committees or backroom deals or anything. It was all transparent, open, and decentralized to select those validators on the Cosmos Hub. Currently, uh, those validators get the governance rights. So the user who deposits Atom and holds ST Atom currently has no governance rights. Those rights go to the validators. Uh, however, in the future, we will be working on something called liquid governance, which uh, would be a way for the, the holders of ST Atom to get to exercise the governance rights of the uh, Atom that's underlying their ST Atom. Oh, yeah, I see. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Um, one more to the to the shade charts. Um, bounded conversion minting. Um, can you say a couple of words to that? Yeah, yeah, I'd be more than happy to. Um, so this is currently not a functionality that is uh, live, so it's just important to keep that in mind. This is just a potential functionality. Um, you know, for for potential use in the future, but basically bounded conversion minting would be, um, you know, a very heavily parameterized version of, uh, you know, seniority style minting that can only be leveraged by the protocol. Um, the reason that is, is Silk effectively represents, um, you know, outstanding debt and the protocol is the one who has to be able to answer for that debt. So bounded conversion minting is basically a way for the protocol to, under very heavily parameterized uh, circumstances, to be able to potentially mint silk from shade held. And I just also I want to reiterate, this is not currently a functionality that is live. Um, if it were to go live, it would be under heavy, heavy uh, consideration. But I appreciate you asking that question. It's something that's outlined in our docs, um, and it's something that we're looking to elaborate a little bit more on, so people uh, can have their answer, have their questions answered a bit more fluently. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the questions, guys. Um, to reiterate, anybody's free to come up and ask any questions they may have. This is a discussion, not a lecture or a panel. Um, but to return to some of my questions, um, so one of the people who came up a few minutes ago asked about Secret Surge, and Red Eye, you said some of those incentives may be available as early as today. Um, what pools do you think uh, those incentives will go to on um, on ShadeSwap? I'll let uh, I'll let Dalts answer this one. Yeah, I so I won't I won't disclose all of them uh, just because I don't want to potentially ruin the announcement that we have planned. Um, but what I can say is that three of the pools include Silk. So we're super, super excited. It means the world to us that RL1 is willing to step in and assist with us um, on providing incentives and supporting growth for ShadeSwap and Silk specifically. So what I can share is that three of the pools that we're targeting do include Silk. Um, more than likely, we're, we're in the final steps of these things as of this morning. And so to Red Eye's point earlier, as, as far as we're aware, uh, these will be going live today. And, and just to add to that a little bit, um, 
you know, it's Secret Surge is about revitalizing and bringing attention back to private DeFi. And so for us to have Silk kind of at the center of that, of those Secret Surge incentives and that revitalization um, is, it's a really critical moment, as small as it might seem to other people, but Silk being this native token, the first privacy preserving stablecoin built on Secret Network, this is a really net positive opportunity to empower and accelerate the growth of not only Silk, but other secret native assets. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, um, Shade Protocol is definitely doing a lot to attract attention, liquidity, to make people excited about privacy again. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely worthy of this incentive program from the L1. Um, Let's see another. Oh, yeah. Um, the, a question about incentives. So talking about incentives, um, first, I'll point out by saying Stride is providing some incentives. Um, the Stride DAO is partnering with Shade Protocol because we definitely believe in. Uh, well, we believe in liquid staking for sure, and we love the way that Shade Protocol is um, embracing liquid staking here, and it just makes so much sense and it's incredibly efficient. Um, so just for the knowledge of everybody listening, um, the, the, the Stride DAO is currently providing uh, Stride token incentives to one pool on, um, on ShadeSwap, that pool being ST Atom Silk. So I believe it's currently the biggest pool. Uh, we've got about 200 Stride tokens per day on that pool, and that'll last for 90 days. And then uh, we'll see about extending it afterward, potentially. Um, so what other incentives has um, Shade Protocol managed to attract? Uh, obviously, there's there's Shade, the Shade token, which is the native internal incentives. We talked about secret token incentives from the L1. Uh, are there any other incentives involved here? Yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to talk about that. And just to confirm, uh, the Silk SD Atom pool is actually the deepest pool on ShadeSwap. So that is an amazing accomplishment. Um, it is over 1 million in uh liquidity deep but in regards to other incentive partners that we're working with so like it was mentioned um secret uh surge will be starting soon and that will bring a bunch of secret and staked secret incentives to shade swap um obviously we've already partnered with stride and some other partners that work already working with and rewards are already live um agoric is another partner so bld and ist um there are actually bld rewards going out on the decks right now um on two different pairings so one of those pairs if i'm not mistaken is silk ist and then the other pair is the shade bld pair so both shade and bld rewards are live on both of those pairings um, we actually just got confirmation this morning. Let me double check the chat so I don't say anything I shouldn't say. But we are actually live with Comdex rewards as well. So CMST um, Comdex, if you're if you guys aren't familiar with them, they also have a decentralized stablecoin in the Cosmos CMST. But we actually just went live with rewards this morning. And we actually haven't publicly said that yet. Um, so this is kind of the, the first time that we're discussing this. But there will be a full announcement. There will be a full blog post as to why we decided to partner with Comdex as well. 
Um, they're an amazing team. If I'm not mistaken, they were one of the first teams, I think, to ever send an IBC transaction. So awesome. We love those guys. And uh, rewards went live this morning. And as far as other partners that we're working with, um, I don't know if I can mention any other outstanding partners, but in my head, if I remember correctly, there are three other outstanding partners that we will be working with. Um, crossed our fingers. Hopefully we're really excited, but they will also or want to bring incentives to, to shade swap. And then the other thing that I will say, uh, one of these partners that we're currently in discussions with is not Cosmos native. Wow, that's exciting. Very exciting right there. I hope everybody here listening really understands the significance <laughs> of that. Um, making Shade Protocol kind of a gateway to the cosmos and attracting new users to the cosmos so that this is this is where they land when they come into the cosmos. That's pretty big. Yeah, we're we're extremely excited and that has been something that that specific target has been something that we've always had in our minds uh as something to go after and so we're really really excited and and consensus is happening uh this week and so we're actually going to be down in consensus uh one of our team members uh fisco who's been on multiple uh podcasts before so maybe you're familiar with him he will be down in consensus meeting with a with a plethora of of people and uh hopefully we get some we get some good news from him after this week is up yeah, and I, I think it's important nice. to uh, oh, go ahead. I think it's also important to point out the significance of that step of individuals going from other ecosystems into the cosmos. You know, you only get one first impression. And so the Shade Protocol team has put a tremendous amount of hours and effort into making our UI UX as positive as possible, trying to simplify any of the you know, details surrounding, you know, usage of assets in private DeFi, whether that be creating viewing keys, permits, approving assets for usage in DeFi, trying to reduce the number of clicks, providing as much information uh, as possible so that when these users do come over to the Cosmos or when these users do come to Secret Network, they, they don't have this bad first impression. And I'm sure in the past, for anyone who has been around since basically um, the inception, or not the inception, but since Secret Network be became IBC compatible, you know, the user experience has always been somewhat of a friction point. And that's to be expected with privacy protocols and privacy networks. There's always going to be a few more hitches few more barriers for people to kind of cross in order to capture this privacy preserving properties. But Shade Protocol has done an incredible job, and this is just a big shout out to the front end team, um, has done an incredible job simplifying that process of onboarding and interaction with our DeFi applications as much as possible. Yeah, I would agree. It's definitely very, very smooth. Uh, everybody should check it out for sure. Uh, like even if you even if you don't want to put money in there, but you should just check it out because it, it's fun to navigate. Um, yeah. So talking about incentives, like talking about incentives, that's how protocols rent liquidity, right? You're renting liquidity by using incentives, and as any as everybody knows, owning is probably better than renting. And 
as I understand it, Shade Protocol has some protocol-owned liquidity. I know there was a bond program last year. Um, there may be some protocol-owned liquidity that resulted from that, but I really don't know what the details are. Do you think you guys could give us maybe an update uh, on the bond program, what protocol-owned liquidity there may be, where it is, and uh, things of that nature? I, I, I'd be curious to hear. Sure. I don't have you know exact numbers for the amount, like the dollar value amount or the percentage of LP tokens. Uh, that the protocol owns for particular pairs. But like you said, I believe it was last summer. I can't remember the exact month that we did it. But uh, at one point, Shade offered Shade bonds in exchange for, I believe it was ST Osmo and Stake Secret. And the protocol is using those assets acquired from the bonds on Shade Swap, effectively providing this protocol-owned liquidity. And, you know, this is, this is a benefit for the protocol as much as it is for any user that decides to LP staking derivatives. Um, you know, we, the protocol is earning a few different types of revenue streams here. You have the staking rewards that are accruing to the staking derivatives that are being used in DeFi. You have the swap fees that are being generated from those assets being swapped. And then you also have external rewards, or I guess any LP rewards, whether they be internal or external, that are accruing to these LPs. And so for the protocol to own and utilize staking derivative liquidity, it's an incredible multi-pronged fee stream going back to the protocol. Um, and then also, the protocol has also provided um, some shade liquidity and uh, stake secret liquidity as well. Um, I don't have the exact numbers on those, but to answer, to basically sum up your question, yes, the protocol is definitely utilizing some of the assets it acquired in as protocol on liquidity. Yeah, that's very fascinating and very unique. I think, yeah, I think, Shade Protocol would be the only DEX slash like DeFi suite in the Cosmos that currently has protocol-owned liquidity. Um, I know the Evmos community recently deployed liquidity onto the Forge DEX, but that's kind of liquidity owned by the Evmos community, the L1. I can't think of an instance where like a protocol or an application in the Cosmos currently has protocol-owned liquidity. Um, but personally, I think it would be neat to maybe have some transparency around that, like maybe a dashboard to see exactly what is owned by the protocol, what pools it's being deployed in. Um, and that, I think that's really exciting. Like if it were like a sub substantial figure, maybe half a million or even a million, that, that'd be pretty exciting to, to see uh, for education and just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great suggestion. Um, definitely want to be transparent about these things. And uh, to your point about having a dashboard where all of these things can be easily visualized, that is an incredibly high priority for us as far as uh, development considerations go. We want people to be able to see their LP positions. We want people to be able to easily understand the silk currency basket and the assets that make up this peg. We want people to be able to see, you know, breakdowns of how assets are being utilized in various applications on Shade Protocol. 
And so this is, this is definitely something we plan on bringing in the very near term. Yeah, that's good to hear. And um, you touched on something very interesting there that um, we haven't had the chance to discuss yet. And I think we should get into it. And that is the, um, the currency basket that, um, that Silk is pegged to. Now, there's a number of uh, collateral debt position backed stable coins in the cosmos. Obviously, you've got USK, um, you've got IST, you've got uh, Composite, CMST, I think, from Comdex, and maybe there are some others, and there's definitely a few on the horizon. But all these ones that I just named are just normal stable coins pegged to the United States dollar. So, one to one to the United States dollar. But in the case of Silk, and maybe we were talking a little bit about this earlier, talking about considering DeFi from like a global perspective and allowing people to have, uh, encouraging people from like different continents and different economic settings to maybe adopt the stable coin. So uh, it is pegged to a basket of currencies. And do, do you think you could talk a little bit about those currencies, those commodities, why they were chosen? Um, how they can be changed, how the system works. Um, I think we'd be curious to hear about that. Sure, I'd be happy to kind of go into this. So originally, the silk currency basket, well, to begin, the, the silk currency basket inception and the actual creation of the PEG um, was a result of a grant uh, given out for development of this basket. And it I believe it incorporated over 20 different currencies and commodities. And as we got closer and closer to launch, we realized that we needed to be able to have um, adequate Oracle pricing for all of these assets. And so looking at what was available with the current Oracles in the Cosmos ecosystem, we were able to reduce the amount of currencies and commodities that are included in the silk currency basket while still providing that same sort of global volatility hedge uh, that we are hoping Silk provide that we built Silk to provide. So currently there are four currencies and two commodities that make up the Silk currency basket. The currencies are the Canadian dollar, the US dollar, Japanese yen, and the Euro. And the two commodities that are included in this basket are Bitcoin and gold. So the currency aspect of this makes up about say just i think it's just over 75 percent of the basket and then gold and bitcoin make up the remaining 25 percent or so of that basket yeah that's good to hear and um the implications are um pretty significant i think you would agree um compared to other stable coins um it's good to hear that bitcoin makes up less than 25 percent, or bitcoin and gold are kind of making up 25 percent there because uh, there's a lot of interesting dynamics here where if the price of Bitcoin were to, I don't know, maybe go 4x and it made up a significant amount, um, th there could be some liquidations, right, for the collateral that's um, backing the stablecoin if the stablecoin increases in value against that collateral. Yeah, and this is an important point to make. Um, I'm not saying that you were insinuating this, but it's important to understand that the peg for silk is different than the collateral backing of silk the peg is just what silk like the silk currency basket is what the price of silk is pegged to but it is not indicative of the assets that are that make up the collateral backing for silk 
Um, and to answer, I believe, one of your earlier questions, you know, asking about how can these things change, silk is incredibly reflexive in the in regards to it can be or sorry, the weightings and the assets that are included in the silk currency basket can be changed by governance. And there are parameters on how much these weightings can change, you know, on an annual basis and how many different currencies and commodities can be added within a certain time range. And we also have the restriction of needing to have Oracle support for the assets that we want to include in the currency basket. So we have, you know, reliable pricing for these assets. And so Silk is very reflexive in the fact that if let's say the US dollar just really starts tanking and governance, shade governance wants to reduce the amount of exposure uh, to USD in the silk currency basket, governance can change the weighting of the US dollar in the currency basket. And, you know, maybe, maybe we're seeing that these commodities like gold and Bitcoin, they're providing a much greater volatility hedge in times of, you know, global economic global economic turmoil and so we might want to also increase the percentages of those assets in the uh, silk currency basket but it's also important to note that you know we we don't necessarily want silk to become this speculative asset that's not really the purpose of it the purpose of it is to provide this global volatility uh hedging and this global currency uh, and forex uh, hedging, and so if we weight too heavily against some of these more volatile commodities, like in your example, if Bitcoin forexed, that would make the silk peg price go up, but that also starts turning silk into a bit more of a speculative asset, and it's meant to be able to hold and preserve purchasing power. Uh, definitely, uh, which is really exciting. And it's kind of a relative thing. Like if if silk were to go up against the US dollar, like is silk going up against the US dollar or is the US dollar going down against silk? Um, it's relativity. But um, it, yeah, there could be a maybe slight downside where it, if it were to go up too much, then there could be some liquidations that people weren't counting on because they didn't have enough backing collateral. Mm -hmm. And then, but the plus side, like if you buy silk off the market and you don't really care about collateralizing it, you're just buying it off the market to store value. It's probably going to store value better than the United States dollar. Like you're probably going to see it going up against the U S dollar only because maybe Bitcoin and gold will be going up against the U S dollar. So in that sense, it would be like a, a very, very, very volatility muted version of Bitcoin, in a sense, because I think Bitcoin is about ten percent. Uh, it is currently just over six percent of the total currency basket weighting. Gold is sitting okay. at just over eighteen percent. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, at, at any rate, with um, the inflation of the U.S. dollar at about six percent, um, I, I would certainly feel pretty happy holding silk as opposed to the US dollar, because with that built-in gold and Bitcoin exposure. Um, yeah, so like there's a lot of fascinating things going on here, like a lot of nuanced things that people may not think about when they first see it. Like there's all these 
uh, liquid stake token ramifications where it's more efficient. There's these privacy ramifications. There's these um, ramifications about how it's 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 uh, pegged to a basket, not just the United States dollar. Like so, there's a lot to talk about here, and a lot of stuff that Shade Protocol is providing to the cosmos. Uh, it looks like we have another speaker requesting, and just a moment, I'll bring you up. Yeah, and just to add one more small detail um, to one of the benefits of the Silk currency basket, because Silk is not pegged to a single sovereign currency, this allows Silk to be positioned as neither a derivative or reserve currency, which helps place it outside the majority of regulatory and monetary policy scrutiny. Now, that's not to say policies won't change, regulations won't change, but based on the way that Silk is built and the properties it has, you know, it is placed in a very uh, advantageous spot. I'll just say that. For sure. Um, yeah, feel free to ask your question. Hey, guys. Uh, re really enjoying the conversation, firstly. Very, very happy to be being educated on shade. It's not something I'm, I'm up to date with at all. Uh, I, I suppose my, my question comes in around the premise of... Um, Preserving purchasing power rather than being a stable coin. Um, so, is it the case that you're using kind of what are considered volatile assets, you know, Bitcoin and gold, although in a very low percentage allocation? Is the goal essentially to, you know, wait for reports on? what type of inflation are going to be experienced within a particular annual period and then try and um, I suppose allocate percentage percentages to different asset classes in order to offset the inflationary aspect of the US dollar or am I correct there is, is that the goal and if so how, how are you going to achieve that on a I mean, what metrics are you going to use to look forward, you know, in maybe a, a certain quarter at what percentage gain would need to be realized in order to match that offset of purchasing power? Yeah. So whenever we uh, perform backtesting, and I believe we backtested Silk against all global currencies uh, performance over the past 50 years or so. Um, and Silk was over that time able to outperform and preserve purchasing power uh, better than any other uh, currency currently created. And so the real goal with Silk is to kind of act as this interoperability hub between global currencies. Right now, there's only four of those currencies included in the Silk currency basket. But like I said earlier, we definitely want to include other currencies as Oracle support for those currencies come out. But really, the, the purpose of Silk is to act kind of as this perpetual hedge against macro volatility and inflation. And so the way that gets done, and to kind of answer your question, is the goal is to have a specific branch of governance completely focused on optimizing the performance of Silk, making sure that it is maintaining its purchasing power and that if any changes were need to be suggested to be made to governance, then these would these would be the individuals that are primarily focused on kind of the calculation and math about what changes would be suggested, what is going on in the global economy, and how can we kind of 
adapt and be reflexive with Silk's peg to be able to to be able to act as that perpetual hedge against this macro volatility. And so I don't think we have any concrete time frames about how often those suggest you know those suggested changes would happen. Um, but I believe as it stands now, this would be happening at least on an annual basis. Um, so you know we want to be able to see the performance over time for some of these currencies. Obviously, just like with any market, we can see extremely volatile periods for short times, and we don't want to be overly uh, corrective in analyzing all these very short time periods, especially because we're viewing Silk as a very long-term horizon project. You know, if we end up getting Silk to be this interoperability hub, this is going to be a very long-term horizon. And so we want to take a long-term approach to this as well. That, that's a great answer. And it's exactly what I was hoping for, but it leads me to another question. Um, you mentioned that there were four, uh, four, is it four fiat currencies, which you're currently using to back your kind of currency hedge other, other than gold and Bitcoin. And uh, do you mind me asking, what are they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first, it is important to note that the assets that are included in the silk currency basket and the currency basket itself, those make up the peg for silk, but those do not indicate, sorry, the assets that are included in the currency basket are not indicative of the collateral backing for silk. So currently, there are five different assets that are accepted as collateral for silk. Those are ST Atom, ST Osmo, Stake Secret, USDC, and USDT. Um, so that is the collateral backing for Silk currently. We're looking to expand our vaults and the type of assets that we are able to accept as collateral for Silk. But to answer your question about what fiat currencies are included in the Silk currency basket, there are four of them. The Canadian dollar, which makes up about 7.5% of the basket. The US dollar, which makes up a little bit more than 33% of the basket. The Japanese yen, which is about 11% of the basket and the euro, which is about 23% of the basket. And you can find these details. Okay. If, you, if you go to app.shadeprotocol.io backslash silk, you'll be able to see the basket composition on that page. That's fantastic, man. Great answer. Much appreciated. Yeah, well, um, it looks like uh, we're kind of close to wrapping up here. We've been going for a little over an hour now. Um, oh, great. Another question. Oh, a, a repeat person coming up. All good. Uh, so for everybody listening, uh, it looks like we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. If you have a question, now's the time to come on up and ask it. Um, oh, maybe he dropped. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, I, oh, hey. Cool. Critical question. Uh, forgive me, please. Um, you said that you see this all as a long-term project, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and I see it succeeding. It solves enough, enough problems over the long run but uh, since we're in a bear market uh, short term mid term shade value accrual that probably uh, interests a lot of people so when you're on the side it's the first the first couple of um well uh, buzzwords they are like pretty weak like transactable store value scars i mean ibc inter interoperability governance power claim yeah um they are all 
very tightly connected to the protocol succeeding, right? I mean, if it's still, if it would stay the same, I mean, obviously everybody sees the trend now after the, the DEX launching and it's not even uh, shade staking time yet. Um, and uh, with stake shake, sh with stake shake, <laughs> with shade staking, um, obviously there will come a lot more revenue streams and value accrual mechanisms for shade. Uh, yet, if I mean, we all have seen uh, like secret swap, Sienna swap, and where they are now, um, the things like silk pay fees i guess they they will be pretty low protocol owned arbitrage okay remains to be seen but i mean one of the big upsides of the of the uh, shade swap is that um well like the there there's not a lot of sw uh, slippage right shade land interest fees where we'll see about that shade land liquidation fees uh, we will see about that. Shade swap trading fees. I mean, it's awesome. I, I, I love it. I love that the trading fees are so low on shade swap. Yet, you know, for the average, for the average Joe, uh, he will ask himself, like, okay, like how, like with a with a small project, uh, those look, uh, those trading fees, those small trading fees, how will they affect my token that I want to buy? Uh, stake secret minting fee also low staked secret withdrawal fee low staked secret rewards that's what i want to ask you like all of the staked secret rewards will go to the shade stakers uh yeah stakers staker. yeah so one i just want to say i really appreciate you bringing this up you're entirely correct in saying that individuals that are looking to potentially interact with applications or purchase a token they definitely are going to be interested in the economics of the token and so one I, I really appreciate you bringing this up and i will preface my upcoming statement with we are looking to publish an updated shade protocol tokenomics in the next month or so that details the usage of these fee streams and the benefit to token holders and the protocol as a whole in a much more elaborate and eloquent way so i just want to say i appreciate you one looking through the docs to begin with or looking through the white paper because i know not a lot of people do that but also i appreciate you be uh you know scrutinizing some of these things because we definitely want to be transparent about that um so to touch on some of these fee streams or these these revenue streams that can be directed towards shade stakers you know when we're looking at some of these fee streams we need to be cognizant of the stage at which we're at on our journey, right? Technically, we just kind of got to the, the starting line with launching Swap, launching Lend, launching Silk. You know, a lot of people have been around, like myself, I started as a community, like pure community member, just incredibly passionate about the vision that Shade Protocol uh, was proposing. And looking at where we're at now, we've seen incredible introductory growth but we want that to be able to continue we want to not only be able to convey the value proposition in a way that people understand it and realize some of these value propositions are better than other potential protocols but we also want to be able to facilitate as positive uh, as positive of an environment 
for users to onboard into our products as possible. And so some of these fee streams right now, we have chosen to uh, kind of forego those fee streams. And I, I'll be very specific about what I mean here. Right now, if you were to go to the borrow page on app.shadeprotocol.io, you'll notice that there is a 0% borrow fee associated with all of our uh, collateral vaults. And currently, there's also 0% interest fees on borrowing Silk. And so the reason we did that is we want to be able to not only entice, but we want people to have an overall incredibly net positive uh, first interaction with Silk and some of the DeFi applications uh, that Shade Protocol built. And so as we onboard these individuals, people get used to using them. They see the value proposition themselves. You know, the organic marketing truly begins uh, exponentially expanding. We are able to turn on some of these fee streams and it would never be a, you know, there's, there, we're not charging any fees and boom, we're at max fees for any of these products. It would be kind of a scaling up process. Um, and all of these things are elaborated in our protocol docs if you're interested in you know what sort of changes can be made to any of these fees associated with our applications all of those are listed out in our docs um, but currently we've got interest fees and liquidation fees from shade lend and as silk continues to grow with its adoption those fee streams are going to be uh, you know continually growing we've got shade swap trading fees um, and that's Fees that are collected from all swaps being made on ShadeSwap, but that's also swap fees that are being accrued on protocol-owned liquidity. And so as protocol-owned liquidity grows, so do the fee streams associated with that. Um, you know, We're able to basically reach different tiers of DeFi users as we continue to grow TVL. You know, there's only so you know, a certain type of tier of DeFi user that you can attract with really small amounts of liquidity. Big players, power users, aren't gonna be able to get the benefit that they really want out of your protocol. And so TLDR, as, as we see continual adoption of these applications and we help facilitate that with uh, partner incentives, such as with Stride, with Secret Surge, uh, using our own internal incentives, being able to increase that adoption rate initially, we'll be able to see these fee streams continually grow uh, exponentially. And this is just, you know, the applications that are currently available. There are a lot of things that we haven't announced yet. And so I'll just leave it at that. I'm like, I can't get any more alpha on what else is to come in the, uh, in the future. But um, to your point, we'll do a much better job in the very near future of elaborating these fee streams and how the value goes back to the token holders. I see, I see, thank you. But like the staked secret rewards, like Shade Staker will get staked secret rewards? How? Like, As far as I know, there has not been any concrete determination as to how these revenue streams will be directed. Um, so I cannot say whether or not Shade Stakers will directly accrue these different uh, fee streams in the form of the, you know, like if, if swap fees are being, um, you know, accrued for an asset outside of shade, I can't say whether, you know, I have no idea whether or not those 
assets that were accrued in the swap fees are going to be directed and kind of governed by the stakers in their native form, or if they'll be uh, put into, you know, swapped for shade. Um, I can't say for sure right now. Okay. Okay. And um, the next point would be the protocol LP. Like what is exactly meant by that? Yeah. So we touched briefly on that earlier. Protocol LP is um, protocol owned liquidity. So any liquidity that the protocol controls in the DAO and in the treasury that is deployed into DeFi, that would be considered protocol owned liquidity. So a good example of that would be the ST Osmo and the stake secret that the protocol acquired by issuing shade bonds uh, late in 2022. Late in 2022. Thanks, man. All right. Well, um, it looks like we have time for one more question. Um, AT, please ask your question. Hello. Um, it's uh, more of a suggestion rather than a question, um, but it but it does make sense for a variety of reasons to have the Canadian dollar swapped for the Swiss franc, you know, because Canada will print money whenever the Fed does. Same with the Bank of England inflating the pound via money printing whenever the current agenda calls for it, like we saw with COVID. But the Swiss franc, it's much more stable. It's much more independent with sounder fundamentals. So have you ever considered the Swiss franc? And um, yeah, have you ever considered the Swiss franc? 100%. Um, I'm trying to see if I can pull up the, the old infographic we had. Um, yeah, the yeah the Swiss franc was incorporated into uh, V1 of the silk currency basket. Um, but as I stated uh, earlier, we had to reduce the number of currencies that were included in the silk currency basket just based on the available Oracle pricing for these assets. So currently... The four currencies we have, those are the four currencies we feel most confident about, including in the silk currency basket. And um, But that doesn't mean that we can't or won't support other currency inclusion into the currency basket in the future. And, um, uh, one thing I can point out myself, um, I happen to be a Canadian myself. Um, there's a surprising amount of volatility between the Canadian dollar and the American dollar. Um, right now, one American dollar is worth about a dollar thirty for Canadian dollars. But during the financial crisis in two thousand and eight, the Canadian dollar was actually worth more than the American dollar for uh, for a for a period, a few months. So, uh, it, you said, um, Red Eye, you did um, you looked back about fifty years, and uh, it, yeah, I would say over a time span like that, the Canadian dollar does fluctuate against the American dollar, at least a little. Yeah, and I'm trying to see if we include any of this backtesting data in our protocol docs. I know we've got some snapshots of our Silk versus USDT backtests, but the ones that we've published, these only go back like 10 years. Um, I know we've got our backtests that were used to create the PEG uh, you know, with the initial grant recipient. So let's see if we can include that, uh, you know, that further backtesting so people can actually see this for themselves. Yeah, well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap up here. Uh, it's been about an hour and a half. I think this has been a very informative, very educational space. Um, I certainly learned a lot myself. I really enjoyed talking about um, all these unique things. And 
Uh, I, I really like writing threads myself. So like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, like, there's a really good thread here. Like there's like a Twitter thread, like there's so much going on with shade. There's the privacy aspect. There's the, um, the, um, the multi-currency and collateral, uh, multi-currency and um, commodities um, basket peg aspect. Then there's the liquid staking aspect. So a lot going on. This is very innovative. And the package, when it all comes together, is it, it just fits together very nicely. Um, yeah, well, this has been a fantastic space. Yeah, thank you for having us on. It was a, uh, an incredible pleasure to come here and speak with uh, the Stride team and also being able to talk about this with new and existing community members. And I hope people learn something and I hope people go interact with our applications. We've got the Shade uh, account that Daltz is on. Um, if you've never been to Shade Protocol site, just go to the Twitter profile, Shade's Twitter profile, and we have our application linked in the profile as well. Yeah, and KYC is anti-DeFi. I like yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's a good note to end on about KYC for sure. Well, uh, goodbye, everybody. Take care and have a good day. See you guys. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Shade Protocol, a full DeFi suite for ST Atom, hosted by Stride. Recorded on Monday, April 24th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support, man. I'm running out the gate, rapping, step up to the plate. Represent the base when I'm rapping out my fate. Used to play ball, now I'm sitting on the bench like a mitt, like to play dumb, so you can't tell me shit. Never gonna get me like a raise in your 50s, and if we go drifting, you better whip it swiftly. I'm on empty, feeling peppy enough to do a fucking barrel roll. Running out of air like this planet isn't terraformed. Looking terrible like you need a breath Getting cancer from these wearables Feeling kinda blessed Tracking everywhere we go Error bar slow Here we are so I guess we put the terror in the art show I'm not a leader but I'll lead a few misleader While the creature comfort certified up in this teacher Feeling like a tenure isn't even needed Taking all that hunger trying to feed it Learning how to love life before we get defeated Divided by the past, can't fight the facts. Rhyming fast, lighting it round. In fact, a little backhand should straighten up these little rats. You better pay attention to the dude that's spitting facts. Everybody likes to rap about how they got no attachments. Straight up and in the back of some shitty shack. Learn how to eat from watching dogs fight over trash. If you think I'm crass, brash, I'm being a little ass. I'm feeling a little bashful about bringing the illest back. It's like the virus brought the vilest from the lowest to the highest. And we all got super quiet like the Mayans. And I don't even know where the fuck we go from here. A bunch of long hairs, growing beards, not showing fear. One step forward, taking two steps back. And pray to your mother we don't hit a crack.
Spaces. 